Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hustline. Hey, Meredith. Some exciting topics to talk about today, some breaking news this week, so excited to get into it. I know. I have just a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are like great feelings, but some of them are just very sad feelings, but we'll talk about it. Agreed. We're excited to have you on the show today. Um, NFL preseason is underway. We're just a few weeks away from college football kickoff. Um, But Megan, as you mentioned, we've got some major news in particular in women's sports that we have to discuss. But first, uh, to kick things off, just a couple items that were in the news this week starting with the impending Big Ten media rights deal, which I feel like we've been waiting for since Memorial Day. Yeah, it's definitely been a long time coming. And I mean, kind of surprising. Big Ten's cutting ties with ESPN after 40 years. So that'll be definitely interesting, you know, not just affecting college football, college basketball as well, which I think might be even more major. So I don't know, definitely some surprising in my eyes, some surprising news. So you just blew my mind that ESPN has been around for 40 years. I remember when they had their 25th anniversary, which now that I think about it was probably 15 years ago. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I thought that was really interesting as well. Um, And certainly that NBC is looking to get a bigger piece of the college football pie expanding away from just kind of their exclusive deal with Notre Dame too. Yeah, that is interesting. I feel like, you know, obviously NBC is not really known for their – college football, um, and especially with the Big Ten, you know, some Ohio State games going towards NBC, that'll definitely be new. So I don't know, a new wave, I guess. I'm kind of excited to see how it goes. Well, it makes Maria Taylor moving to NBC almost seem like such a strategic move. Like they've been planning for this because Mm -hmm. she was such a great personality on college game day and on Saturday Night Football on ESPN. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so having that talent for college football for NBC, but the reality is, is that Sunday night football, in my humble opinion, is the best football production of any network at any time. So I'm excited to see what they're able to do, especially with Ohio State games. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Good point about Maria Taylor. I don't know how I forgot about her. I love her, but yeah, obviously she'll definitely be one of the stars for college football and NBC, but yeah, I love watching her. Oh, now you just made me even more excited. I can't wait. Happy, happy to do that for you on this (laughs) Wednesday morning. Um, But the other piece too is, I mean, we knew this would happen and we knew why this deal, the announcement of this deal was delayed. And that's because of USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten. But I don't think I was even ready for the scale of what the value of this deal would be. It's an estimated $1.5 billion per year, which would be divided among the 16 member schools of the conference in 2025 and beyond, which is it's a huge number. It's the largest meteorites deal in college sports. Yeah. Cannot even fathom that. Oh my gosh. And the guy, even like split up, that's still millions, hundreds of like, that's so much money for yeah, hundreds of years. <laughs> I can't even wrap my mind around that. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, also, like, shout out to Kevin Warren once again, like, for being the businessman that our conference needed. Okay. I yeah. mean, Jim Delaney was amazing too, but like, my goodness, this is just its so good for the conference. Kevin Warren has definitely stepped up. Obviously didn't like him in 2020, but okay. I've, I've, he's really, you know, stepped up and changed, you know, people's perception of him. So good for him. He has done a lot of good for the conference. I think it was, he was somewhat set up for failure coming into the role immediately screwed. before yeah. COVID happened and when everyone had to cancel their Big Ten basketball tournaments, like his first week of work, like that had to be a terrible. I mean, yeah, either way, anyone in that role was screwed, but he definitely had to take the brunt of it, which was unfortunate. But I think he's worked his way back into people's good graces, obviously bringing a ton of money to the conference, which is always a good thing. So I'm glad that, you know, he's not hated anymore. Oh, for sure. Um, Well, speaking of hate, uh, (laughs) I don't know if you've been following the Kevin Durant drama in New York, but this has just been wild. The most recent drama is just like, oh, he's so great, obviously, one of the greatest players in the league, but he's basically asking the Nets like, okay, fire your GM and your coach or trade me. Like, that's such an outlandish like demand. I can't even imagine. And I just I just don't really see it from his point of view. You know, I'm a fan of Steve Nash. Obviously, he's he's only coached there for two years, and it's been a difficult two years through the pandemic and Kyrie not playing half the games, and then just James Harden being James Harden. Like he, he's had a difficult entrance as a head coach for the Nets, but there's the talent there. He is a solid coach. And I don't know why he's just demanding to get rid of him and the GM. Like, I don't know. I'm a little fired up about this. I just, I can't, I can't believe that he really just demanded this to the front office. Yeah. It it seems absurd. And like, he's not going to get it. Like, it's not like Kevin Durant is at the pinnacle of his career anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's, I don't know. 
he's probably somewhat over the hump. But again, like you said, it's been a difficult couple of years. So is that a factor of the team that he's on and the system that he's in or, you know, this point in his career? But I do think what's interesting is basketball is probably the one sport that players can make these kinds of asks because players' careers are longer compared to sports like football, for instance. And individual players have a chance to be more of an individual contributor that has an impact on a game, right? So do I like I agree with you. This seems like an absurd ask. I don't think it's gonna work, but like if it was gonna work, it would probably be in the sport. Yeah, I agree with that, but I don't know. I just feel like it's so basketball is just a selfish sport. I mean not to paint it in the negative light, but hey, it's a league of superstars and they make demands and they get what they want, you know, a good majority of the time. So I don't think that's going to happen here either. Uh, the front office has already come out and say that they back the GM and the coach. So don't think he'll get his way here. But you're right. If it were to happen in any sport, then I guess basketball would be the sport. Yeah. Um, well, on to more positive or I guess bittersweet things. Mm -hmm. uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we did have some major news from women's sports this week with the retirements of two absolute icons, both Sue Bird and Serena Williams. Um, so Sue Bird, we knew this was going to happen. Uh, she announced it in June that this would be her final season. But Serena Williams um, just announced, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, she announced on Tuesday uh, in an interview with Vogue that she would be retiring after the U.S. Open. This is just, oh, this is unreal. I mean, Sue Bird has been playing the WNBA as long as I've been alive. I turn 20 next month. And Serena, I just cannot imagine tennis without Serena. She is just, I I could go on and on for an hour. I love Serena. She's one of my favorite athletes. And the impact she's had on the sport, same with Sue Bird. I mean, on the court and uh, they've obviously both have racked up so many accomplishments that'll go down in history, but off court as well, just the gender barriers and race barriers that they've broken down. I mean, I can't wait to dive into this with you because they've just made such huge impacts on women's sports. I know. And I mean, again, I grew up playing tennis like Serena Williams was the young exciting star when I was in like elementary school tennis, right? Mm -hmm. And I just don't know. I don't know a world without Serena Williams playing tennis, I guess. Yeah. You I know mean, what it, I mean? It's crazy that no Williams sister, you know, is going to be in tennis after her. Yeah. And I mean, we can't even, we would need days to get into the impacts mm -hmm. that both Bird and Williams have had on their sports. Um, but just in terms of Williams' individual impact on tennis, like there is no better women's tennis player. It's going to take a lot to for anyone to even match her. Um, the New York Times actually published an article of Serena Williams' career in charts. Um, and what I thought was most impressive was they did uh, a bar graph of her singles career from tournament to tournament. And if you look at the middle of her career, the bar graph, it goes from, you know, the event to quarterfinals to semifinals to finals. And then if she actually won, and if you look at the middle of her career, like the bar graph is just full because every event that she participated in, 
she won, Mm -hmm. Um, which I just think is so phenomenal. In 2002, she participated in 13 events and had eight titles. Like, who has those kinds of stats? In 2013, she participated in 16 events and had 11 titles. She's so dominant. Like, much, much more than half of the events that she participates in, she wins. Like, that is... I don't you, – you just don't see that level of dominance. And for years, for almost 20 – I think more than 20 years. Yeah. She just completely changed the sport. I mean, she just made it so fun to watch. She Obviously, she's so powerful and so strong. Like I said, she's just absolutely dominant on the court. She just wipes off her opponents. They, it's just – she is just on another level. She played and won the Australian Open while pregnant, and then she came back after having so many complications. Like, she's just a beast, honestly. She, I I don't even know what to say. She's just so awesome. I love watching her. She's so passionate. And, you know, I like I said, I can't believe that she's leaving, but she didn't say retiring. Of course, she wouldn't. She's evolving away from the game. Which mm-hmm. I like. I thought that was very fitting because um, I don't think that she could ever say goodbye to tennis completely. I don't think she could actually say those words. But, man, it's just going to be weird. We definitely have to cherish the U.S. Open, which will most likely be her, you know, her final major. But, yeah, That's definitely going to enjoy every last moment. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to get back to her impact, and, like, I think you and I are both alluding to this, but – There weren't – like, tennis in the U.S. wasn't a big thing, I feel like, in the late 90s just because there weren't a lot of American tennis players who Mm -hmm. were at the top of the sport, right? Yeah. And then when Serena Williams came along and Venus Williams, like, do you you even remember Andy Roddick? He was about that time, too. (laughs) I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, like, they made, you know, tennis a thing that we care about again. But beyond that, like her her impact off – and I love that she described it as evolving and I love that you mentioned it, Megan. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she's saying she's evolving beyond tennis, does that remind you of another athlete who is still playing? LeBron James maybe? Oof. Like just they – I think what they have done with their careers in saying like they're they're people first. Mm-hmm. They're people who have causes that they care about, but they're also larger than life athletes. That would be difficult to balance, I feel like, um, for sure. Because Serena has mentioned, like, obviously her whole life has been tennis, and that's literally all it's been. And now she has a daughter, she's married, and she's mentioned that, you know, maybe she wants to grow her family. She has other things she wants to pursue. And I think she's uh, accomplished about all she needs to in tennis. So I'm excited to see what happens moving forward with her. I hope she stays in the sport in some capacity. I'm sure she will because I feel like she, like I said, can't completely say goodbye. But I'm just excited to see what's next for her. Absolutely. And, you know, she obviously has nothing left to prove. Um, I am going to wrap up this section by citing one of my favorite statistics in all of sports, and that's that one in eight men think that they can beat Serena Williams in a tennis point. Um, You can't. You cannot. Unless your name is Roger Federer, and then just maybe. 
just maybe. Right. <laughs> That's laughable. <laughs> know, right. <laughs> Come on. Like you're you're just making a fool of yourself. Yeah, indeed. I'd love to see you try for sure. Yeah. Um I'm sorry. Actually, that was not the last thing I had to say. One other thing I wanted to point out is that Sue Bird is 41. Serena Williams is 40. Um, and so as shocked as we like might feel by these retirements, like these athletes have had longevity far more than most other athletes that we see. I know. I don't know why we're like super shocked that they're retiring. I feel like we just believe that they're going to be around forever since – they have been around for so long, but I mean, it's just amazing how well they've performed for their entire careers. I mean, Sue Bird just won a couple of championships in the past, what, like three years? She won one at 39. I mean, don't forget the Olympics. And yeah, but she's like a freaking 5,000 time gold medalist. Like, they're just both unreal. Um, I don't know how their bodies haven't broken down. At this point, I think they could still play for a few more years selfishly. But, yeah, it's just so impressive to see they've performed at such a high level for two decades. It's unreal. Yeah. Um, and certainly, you know, athletes like Bird, like Williams, like Lindsey Vaughn, Magner Pino, like they're paving the way for this next generation of women athletes like Naomi Osaka, like Simone Biles. Um and they've grown the sports and, you know, made it possible for women's sports in the U.S. to become what they are today. So I think that's really – that's a pretty awesome legacy, if I say so myself. Yeah. I mean, on and off the court or the field, obviously, they've, they're have they remarkable athletes. They're the greatest at what they do. But then they've also had to work relentlessly to, you know, get that um, – equality we're not there yet but they've worked so hard in order to get that and just to grow their sport and now we have all these super exciting young athletes that you know are growing the sport as well so the foundation has definitely been laid and paved by these athletes and I just can't wait to see the future because it's just so cool to see all the older and the younger athletes interact with each other um and now you know the torch is being passed down into the younger athletes to see what they can do. So definitely an exciting time in women's sports for sure. Absolutely. We will see what the next couple of years bring for us uh, from this next generation. Um, but we are excited uh, to talk NFL preseason and college football in a moment. Um, they are. It's just around the corner, Megan. I can't believe it. Can't uh, but we're going to take a short break. So stay with us. Welcome back. Uh, so as we mentioned before the break, we are just weeks away from college football kickoff. I believe, what is it? August 27th in yes. Ireland. Um, and we already got to see our first NFL preseason game of the year uh, last Thursday, which was pretty cool. Um, did you happen to catch it, Megan? Uh, a little bit here and there. I mean, it wasn't, you know, anything great. Obviously, none of the starters played. Um, but Hey, I'm excited to see some football, you know, even if it was the Jags and the Raiders, but got some exciting moments in the game. You know, Trayvon Walker, number one pick, he did really well, uh, showed off how dominant he is, but 
it was just, you know, it was a nice story. Did you hear about, you know, Josh McDaniels coming home? He played on that field in high school. Like, what a cute moment. Now playing in the Hall of Fame game. That was a good story. I feel like they always pick the Hall of Fame game teams, like, based on some adorable story like that. (laughs) Um, Right. But yeah, I, I love the Hall of Fame game. I was sobbing on the couch watching it because, you know, when they have like all of the all of the inductees cross the field and everyone's <laughs> cheering for them and it's just so emotional. Oh my gosh. Anyway. That's uh, <laughs> yep. Sports are <laughs> emotional for us over here. Indeed. indeed. Um but uh yeah, I thought it was interesting you know they kept pointing out how the Jags and the Raiders were getting an extra preseason game and I forgot that the NFL did end up shortening the preseason to three games for most teams do you have any thoughts on that yeah I'm definitely a fan of it I'm in favor of it I mean especially now that it's a 17 game regular season adding a fourth preseason game I just feel like is unnecessary um prevents injuries obviously uh because you know that's when most of the starters play, and that's when injuries can occur, like J.K. Dobbins towards ACL in the final preseason game. So we're just trying to prevent that and, you know, not put any extra stress on them as they do have to play 17 games. So I'm definitely in favor of it. Instead, you know, getting a week off before the season, I think that's definitely the right move. Concur. And, you know, especially with the expanded playoffs, um, mm-hmm. you're looking at even more games uh, you know, the one benefit of the longer preseason was that you were able to see or able to get especially your rookies up or folks returning from injury up to a more of a game speed um, and have them play in that in those conditions for a little bit longer. Uh, but, you know, certainly maybe the NFL could balance this by adjusting some of the rules so that cuts didn't have to happen until week one or after week one or something like that. Um, but no, generally, I think the shortened preseason is super important because those games don't matter and so many bad things happen. Right. Um, there have been a number of Cleveland Browns injured in the first you know, days of training camp. Uh, our expected starting kick returner tore his Achilles this week. Um, so I don't know. As much as you want players to get in and get their reps, uh, the full game speed is probably an unnecessary risk to take. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, everyone's in the same boat when it comes week one. So it takes, you know, a couple quarters to kind of ramp up and get to that game speed, then so be it. But you just don't want to see injuries happen, like you said, in these pointless games. So I think it's definitely the right move. Yeah. And I mean, we see it in college football. The first I mean, the first quarter of even Ohio State games, you know, some of the most disciplined programs in the country, even you see extremely sloppy play oh, in the yeah. first few series. Uh, so it's expected. It's forgivable. Just can't continue. Um, but speaking of college football uh, with fall camp in full swing, uh, Megan, one thing I was excited to see come out this week was Bruce Feldman of The Athletic published his list of freaks. Uh, which, you know, we can think what we can about that headline, but uh, it's freaks in a complementary form in terms of athletic ability. Uh, I was interested to see that Michigan defensive tackle Motsi Smith uh, topped the list, followed by Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, 
which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I personally never heard of this list before you brought it up, but it's definitely interesting and I can't wait to read all of it. But hey, Marvin Harrison getting the number two spot, that's that's pretty awesome for a guy who's really only played, you know, he went off in the Rose Bowl, but besides that, has not seen the field very much. So excited to see, you know, how he performs this year. Obviously, we got JSN as our number one receiver, but Marv is probably going to be the number two guy. So excited to see that he's getting some attention from around the country and people are recognizing how talented he is. So, man, I just can't wait to see him on the field. I can't wait for the season to start. I know. I'm so excited. But what, so the point of this list is to talk about athletes who have insane physical ability, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of perhaps their chosen position group. Uh, So, Smith, for instance, he does 22, he can do 22 reps on the bench press with 325 pounds as opposed to the usual 225 pound, oh pounds. Um, he also has uh, a broad, oh my God. He has a nine feet, four and a half inch broad jump and a 44 inch vertical. So like he's very strong. He can jump tall and he can jump long. Like my jaw is just like to the floor right now. Nine feet, Spider Man or something. I don't, I don't even know what to compare this to. And he's like a bigger guy, is he not? I mean, he's not like. Yes, he's a he's a power five defensive tackle. He is six <laughs> oh, foot three, three hundred and thirty seven pounds. Okay, like, yeah, he's a he giant person who can jump four <laughs> feet, like just under four feet in the air. Okay. Yeah, I would say he deserves the number one freak spot. Oh my gosh, what an athlete. Wow, I can't wait to see him on the field then. Oh man, now I'm nervous a little bit actually. Well, we should be just like, let's just put a pin in this because that is a reasonable thing to be nervous about because also on the list um, coming in within the top 10 at the number seven spot was Julius Walshoff, who... Uh, is an edge rusher at Michigan. We got rid of Aiden Hutchinson and we get these freaks. Oh, come on. Yeah. He's a former mogul skier from Germany. <laughs> what? Where's Michigan finding these people? Oh my In gosh. Europe. <laughs> That's why they go to Europe. Yeah. Harbaugh just scouting out these freakish athletes. Oh, yeah, man. maybe disregard what I said a couple weeks ago about it being dumb to play in Ireland. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe not. You'll yeah, I'll um, find anyway, a freak. Yeah, uh, this edge rusher is number seven on the list as well. And we all, I think we can acknowledge that one of the key issues last year in Ohio State's loss to Michigan was Michigan's dominance on the defensive line compared to Ohio State's offensive line. Um, we thought maybe we would be getting a reprieve with Aiden Hutchinson departing Michigan. But alas, it looks like his spot has been filled. But you know what? We'll see. We'll see. And maybe Ohio State's offensive line will have improved. Yeah, I like that optimism. You know, I'm sure we'll be fine. They sound really threatening, but let's see them on the field first. You know, let's not freak out before anything happens. But they sound like freak. That's a very fitting name. They sound like freaks. So I'm excited to watch them. Maybe not against Ohio State, but... We'll do our own scouting in the first couple of weeks. Um, But moving back to Marvin Harrison. um, So one of the reasons that he was put on the list is because 
Harrison, like Harrison is a big wide receiver. So you got your folks who are 5'10 and super speedy. Harrison is 6'3, 206 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, he also did 22 reps at the bench press, um, but he did do it at the usual 20, 225 pounds. Um, oh, he yeah. ran a sub four shuttle time. And this is the one that just kills me because as a runner, this feels impossible. Um, he ran at as high as 23 miles an hour during his sprint drills. Isn't that like Usain Bolt speed? Oh my gosh. I don't know what Usain Bolt clocks in at, but yeah, this seems really high. Oh and gosh. for those office fans among you, like Michael Scott did not run 31 miles an hour. That was the car. Um, <laughs> this is like he would have beat everyone in that office. Anyway. Dang. I did not know he was that speedy. Holy crap. That know, should scare what- people. It should scare people. So take note, Michigan defensive. Yeah. We got our receivers <laughs> that will just run right by you. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I feel like I keep also forgetting about him, like you said, because we've got JSN, who's going to be the number one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, CJ Stroud has thrived with having an embarrassment of riches at receiver, as we've seen. Um, so how how will anyone ever defend Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Doesn't uh, sound like they will. Fingers crossed. We will <laughs> see. And then one last note, uh, just in terms of the college football media landscape in particular, and speaking of Michigan and Ohio State players in those media deals, I got to ask, do you think college game day is going to be different if this Big Ten media rights deal goes through? Will Des and Kirk, Michigan and Ohio State alums themselves continue to stay? Will they even talk about the Big Ten or will it just be the SEC show? No way. I I really, really hope not. I feel like it's impossible. I mean, oh, they're two of the top programs in the country. Ohio State's slated, like, they're the favorites to win the national championship. So you cannot avoid talking about them. And then for Michigan, Des, I don't think he, like, physically cannot talk about Michigan because he's just literally loves them with all of his heart so I I just feel like they they have to include the Big Ten like I I don't think it'll affect their discussion on game day at least I really hope not but I guess we'll see I really didn't think about that but I mean two of the top programs you cannot avoid talking about them I feel like we'll see uh college game day did add one of my favorite Peloton instructors to the lineup um Justin so I'm pretty excited for that (laughs) Glad you have that to look forward to. You know, you just, you got to have something. (laughs) I think that's all we've got today, Megan. Uh, Before we wrap, do you have any shout outs? Yeah. So I saw this cute moment from the Little League World Series on Twitter. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but it was Texas versus Oklahoma and a Texas pitcher hit an Oklahoma batter uh, in the head. He was okay. It hit him in the helmet, but you know, he went down for few minutes and then made his way to first and the Texas pitcher was just obviously shaken up he was you know crying out there on the mound because obviously that's a scary moment especially when you're younger so uh the Oklahoma batter came over from first base and just gave him a hug you know told him that he was all right like no hard feelings like just forget about it um so that was just a really nice moment to see 
the Texas pitcher eventually just left the game because it was just too much for him. But just a nice showing of sportsmanship in the Little League World Series. I just love the Little League World Series, but for many reasons, and just one of them is the sportsmanship that is shown. So just a really nice moment. I love that. I'm going to shout out. I'm at an office kick this week. I don't know what's going on. Uh, (laughs) Brian Baumgartner, also known as Kevin from The Office, Mm -hmm. uh, came out with a chili cookbook. No way. So you're a fan and you remember that one time when Kevin made his famous chili in the all over the floor. We've got a reprieve. Oh, man. (laughs) Did you buy it? You have to. I, it's. I don't eat meat, and so it's got a lot of like uh, meat-based chilies. Um, but you maybe I'll just actually get it to support him. Yeah, maybe a little and kitchen decoration. Heaven's famous chili. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. that's all we have for today as a reminder you can follow megan at megan hustline me at meredith hine and the site at langrant 33 we'll talk to you soon thanks again for listening to play like a girl and as always go bucks